0: Well, we certainly love the thought of getting ahead in life, of moving up in the world. We love the thought of having more than what we have right now, more money, more flexibility, more time, more popularity, more respect, more influence, more choices, more recognition. And we certainly come by this honestly, because our first parents loved it too. I mean, if, if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, all the way back to Adam and Eve, we see that right from the very beginning of human history, people have always wanted more. Because, I mean, well, I just want you to think about this. What happens inside of you when you hear words like downsizing or demotion or decreasing or losing or dying? I'll tell you what happens, that uh, our heart starts pounding and, and our blood pressure rockets and our stomach gets all twisted up in a knot. <clears throat> if we take a good long look into our hearts, I'm afraid that we're going to see that this whole idea of getting ahead in life and, and wanting more, that this has gotten a hold of us in more ways than we would probably care to admit. And that's why our text for this morning I think is so striking Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11 so as we read through this together I want you to keep your eyes peeled okay as we read through these verses watch watch closely because we're going to see Jesus do something that that is just breathtaking and challenging and absolutely beautiful. Watch. Because Jesus is freely, willingly, gladly choosing to commit himself to a life of moving down in the world and wanting less in life. So watch him go. So, where does he start? Where where, where does Jesus start in all this? Well, he starts at the top. Listen to verse 6. It says, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. When Jesus takes his demotion, he starts at the top. and I mean, the, the literal absolute top. Jesus was equal with God. He was fully and completely God. I mean, you know, some people, sometimes we like to talk like Jesus is God's assistant manager or something. Or the assistant to the regional manager. But, but he's not. Jesus has never been, you know, God's executive VP of salvation or something. He's never been God's junior partner. Jesus has always been a full-fledged member of the Godhead, of the Holy Trinity. Uh, The ancient creed, the ancient Christian Nicene Creed puts it like this. And we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. Jesus has always been equal to the Almighty Father in every way, shape, and form. When the world was being created, Jesus was doing the creating. Right along with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And each and every time that God got involved in human history, Jesus was right there in the middle of it. Each and every word of the Bible is the word of Jesus. Every bit as much as it's the word of the Father or the word of the Spirit. Because Jesus is fully and completely God. Jesus started at the absolute top. But like we read in verse 6, he didn't consider his equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Jesus, the creator and Lord of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing, Jesus, fully God in every way, shape, and form, volunteered to let it all go. Jesus donated all of it. Jesus laid down his rightful equality with God and, and, and you know, all the rights and privileges thereof. Jesus says, I want to let it all go. I gladly release my grip on all of this. I'll freely climb down the ladder. I'll happily take a demotion because I want to please God the Father and I want to save these people whom I love. So down he goes. Watch. Watch him go. Jesus is moving down in the world and wanting less. Now look at verse 7. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness Or in other words, Jesus moves down into a human body. He willingly demotes himself into a fully human person. Jesus was at the same time, as we've said, fully God. But he became at the same time fully human. Now this, of course, is what our theologians call the, the, the miracle of the incarnation. And it's something that we celebrate every Christmas. But listen. Jesus didn't come into the world as an emperor Or as some kind of mighty warrior king He didn't come as a governor or a CEO He didn't didn't even come as a a pope or a bishop or, Or something religious like that He came to earth as a tiny helpless baby Born to a blue collar Jewish worker A real flesh and blood baby God with skin on And so now for the first time in in all eternity, Jesus has to do things like eat and sleep and wash himself and go to the bathroom. Jesus has to use doors or ride animals for transportation, use money to buy things, regular human things just like us, you and me. Jesus went from equality with God in every way, shape, and form to climbing down into the confines of a human body. And not only does Jesus just take on the confines of a human body, but he becomes a human servant. Jesus becomes, literally, the text says, a slave. Jesus becomes a slave who, who teaches and heals and feeds and touches and and prays for and helps and rescues and serves us regular people like you and me all of us too the good the bad and the ugly jesus not only became a human but a human who willingly became a servant to everyone Down he goes. Watch. Watch him go. Jesus is climbing down, making himself a human servant. He continues moving down in the world and wanting less. But Jesus isn't done moving down yet. Listen to verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man... Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. It wasn't just enough to donate his equality with God. It wasn't enough to climb down into a human body. It wasn't enough to volunteer for the role of servant. No, it wasn't enough. Jesus also climbed down and humbled himself to the point of death. Jesus Christ, the one who brought our whole universe to life, the the, the one who breathes life into every living thing, the one who keeps every living creature alive by the sheer force of his will, that same Jesus climbed down so low that he stood face to face with death itself and said, you can have me. I will let you take me. Jesus, the author of life, submits himself to death. Try to wrap your mind around that. The author of life submits himself to death. And down he goes. Watch see. Jesus is climbing down and making himself obedient to the point of death. Jesus is moving down in the world, wanting less. And that's just about far enough, isn't it? I mean, seriously, that's just about far enough. I mean, you can almost imagine the angels screaming, Enough already! Lord, stop! That's far enough! Please, no more! That's low enough! But it's not. It's not low enough. There's one more step to climb down. Because verse 8 not only says that Jesus became obedient to death, but even death at a cross. Jesus didn't die peacefully in his sleep he wasn't even given you know a so-called humane lethal injection he 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 wasn't allowed a, a, a violent but quick death by hanging or firing squad or something no it was so much worse so much lower jesus the eternal omnipotent omniscient omnipresent god of the universe and beyond Willingly donated his equality with God, willingly climbed down into human flesh, willingly took on the role of a slave, willingly submitted himself to death. Now watch and see as Jesus willingly moves all the way down to the rock bottom into an excruciating death on a cross. You see, crucifixion didn't just simply kill people. A crucifixion tortured people to death. A crucifixion tortured people so severely and so agonizingly slowly that that, that every sensation of dying was uh, intensified to the most violently extreme measure. And to make it even worse, when Jesus was up on that cross, people, people uh, that, that he had created... People that he came to serve, people that he was on that cross dying for would walk by and mock him and laugh at him and spit at him, throw rocks at him and curse him. A crucifixion is a form of hell on earth. It is truly one of the lowest things that a human being could ever possibly experience. The cross is the epitome of human suffering and debasement. It is the worst of the worst. I mean, you really can't climb any lower than this. Watch. Watch him go. Watch him go all the way down. All the way up. Underneath the cruel, sick underbelly of human existence. Watch. Watch Jesus start out in a position that couldn't have been any higher. And watch him end up in a position that couldn't have been any lower. Watch And listen, because this is the most important story in the world, in the history of the world, the story of Jesus, what we call the gospel story. And you know what? It's not one of those rags to riches stories that we love so much either, is it? It's just the opposite. It's a riches to rags story. It's a top to bottom story. It's a height to depth story. It's the story of a God who volunteers to climb all the way down. It's the story of a God who willingly demoted himself. The story of a God who willingly decreased himself, who downsized himself. It's the story of a God who loses on purpose. The story of a God who suffers and dies to save people Us From sin Death and hell That is simply the greatest story That you will ever hear And it's true All of it Every last word of it Is true It happened in history There were hundreds of eyewitnesses Verifying it And there is a permanent written public record Of it all and it happened, Jesus did this, he climbed all the way down out of his great love for us, for you and me. And because Jesus did this, now I want you to watch and see where he ends up. It's in verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, all the way down at the very rock bottom of human suffering and shame, Jesus found true and everlasting greatness. And I want you to see how completely different that is from our story. Because here's our story. That though we were not equal to God, we counted equality with God something to be used for our advantage. That's totally the opposite of him. Though Jesus was equal... He let go of his equality with God. He donated his equality. He became a servant. He moved down in the world and wanted less, but not us. And even though we are clearly not equal with God, we do grasp after it. You say, wait a second, when do I do that? Honestly? any time we have ever said or thought anything like this, I know what's right, I know what God wants, I know what the Bible says, but, I know the Bible says that it's wrong for me to, to tell this little white lie, but I'm gonna do it. Or I, I know that God would not want me to take this thing that does not belong to me, I know that God would not want me to look at this man or this woman in this way. But I'm going to Or On the other hand I know that the, the, the Bible says That this is a good thing for me to do I know that the Bible says That it's good for me to be generous With what God has blessed me with But I'm not going to be Or I, I, know, I know that It's God's will for me to be patient And kind with this person But I can't I won't That is grasping for equality with God. That is is trying to use equality that does not exist for your own advantage, for our own advantage. Though we are not equal with God, we crave it. We lunge for it. It, it, It's like the, the author Anne Lamott says. She wrote that The difference between you and God is that God doesn't think He's you. She's not wrong. But even though Jesus literally was God, He let go of it. He let it all go. And He made Himself nothing, and He took the role of our servant. But not us, though. We're not going to do that. No way. You and I, we desperately want to become something. We want to be kings and queens. We try desperately to be somebody. And here's the irony, is, is that Jesus found greatness at the bottom, not the top. He climbed all the way down to the bottom and God lifted him up all the way to the top. Jesus was lifted up by climbing down. Jesus became somebody as he embraced being a nobody. Jesus found ultimate honor and greatness in self-donating, self-sacrificial service. So let me ask you a question. Why does Paul tell us this? Here in his letter to the Philippians, the story of Jesus climbing down the ladder, demoting himself, choosing a life of moving down and wanting less. Why does Paul tell us this? Was it to you know, remind us again of everything Jesus has done for us to become our savior? Yes, absolutely I mean again this is literally the most important story in the history of the world but Paul didn't write this only to remind us of the story and he didn't write this so that we would only believe in the story although those two things are vital Paul also wrote this to us so that we would know how to respond to the story Paul wrote this so that we would respond to the story. So let me ask you, how should we do it? How should we respond to the story? Listen to verses 1 through 5, because here it is. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if as Christ Jesus. Now, first of all, I hope you can pick up on the incredible sarcasm that Paul gives us here. If you have any encouragement, I mean, have you ever been encouraged by Jesus Christ? The sarcasm is loaded here. But here's what he's saying. In, in, In other words, what he's saying is, if Jesus Christ has ever done anything for you, If Jesus Christ has ever meant anything to you, then your mindset should be the same as Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you are called to a life of moving down and wanting less, just like Jesus. Our response to the gospel story, to the Jesus story, is to have the same attitude as Jesus. An attitude of self-donating, self-sacrificial service. And for people like us who are are intoxicated by moving up and by wanting more in life, we are called to respond to the gospel by adopting Jesus' commitment to moving down in life and wanting less to sharing Jesus' passion for demotion and for downsizing and for decreasing and for losing and for dying. Self-demotion, self-downsizing, self-decreasing, self-losing, and even self-dying. This is what the Bible calls humility. And just so we're all clear, humility, biblical humility, is not thinking less of yourself. Biblical humility is thinking of yourself less often or as of less importance. Biblical humility is not thinking less of yourself, but of thinking of yourself less. That's humility. And God's word to us for this morning says if you believe in the message of Jesus Christ, and if you believe that this message is for you, which it is, then the only reasonable response for any of us to have is to live our life with the same attitude of humility that Jesus did. It's the only thing that remotely makes any sense whatsoever. To commit ourselves to a life of moving down in the world and wanting less for the sake of others. Demoting ourselves in self-donating, self-sacrificial service in order to love and serve God and our neighbors. Or, if we're going to put it in the terms of our Philippians series, our response is to climb down like Jesus as a citizen of humility. Climb down like Jesus as a citizen of humility. Because in the rock bottom depth of humility, you will find true abundant life in the exalted greatness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together.